I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Here's the thing about Nickelback, and and they freely admitted that for a long time there was a subsection of music fans, I might even say a large subsection of music fans, that made fun of them, said that Nickelback were a joke or a bit of a punchline. Well, now Nickelback have been inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, and they're here to talk about it. They're here to talk about being made fun of. They're here to talk about what changed for them over the years, what sustained them as a band. And Chad Kruger sits down, he looks me in the eye, and he tells me about this moment at six in the morning that they knew after How You Remind Me came out that their lives were about to change forever. A grateful side of Nickelback, one of the biggest rock bands in Canadian history. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. So keeping on Nickelback here, I could list all their accomplishments and all that, but that's no fun. How about I get fellow uh, Canadian icon Ryan Reynolds in the character of Deadpool to do it for you. 50 million albums worldwide, 11th best-selling musical act of all time, Billboard's most successful rock group of the last decade, six Grammy nominations, 12 Juno Awards, those count, six Billboard Music Awards, two American Music Awards, one People's Choice Award, Canadian, and a partridge in a pear tree. Nickelback really have done all that, though I kind of want to be full CBC and go like from one superhero to another, but really they have done all that. Photograph, Rockstar, um, How You Remind Me, which even if you hate, I've talked to people who hate Nickelback and I'll go, yeah, but not How You Remind Me, right? And they'll always go, yeah, not How You Remind Me, that song rules. All of that success, as I mentioned, has come with a lot of hate over the years. And that tension of battling high levels of fame and criticism is the subject of a new documentary. It's called Hate to Love, Nickelback, and it premieres tonight at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's also been reported that the band, in celebration of the documentary, will be performing a show for fans on the on the main stage for Festival Street. And if you don't live in Toronto, that means they're just going to play the middle of the road. They're going to play like the street, which is pretty exciting. With that, we thought it would be a good time to revisit our conversation with Nickelback when they had found out they'd be inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. And they just released their 10th studio album, it's called Get Rollin'. Take a listen. That's a little of the song San Quentin from Nickelback's new album, Get Rollin'. And that's where our conversation begins. Here's Ryan Peake and Chad Kroger from Nickelback. Hi guys, how are you? Good, how are good. You? Congratulations on the new album. Thanks. Can we start with San Quentin? Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> I really start with the penitentiary. I really like the the song though. Tell me a little bit about that song. Uh, nothing more than a chance meeting. I met the uh, warden uh, at a party, at a birthday party actually. Really? Yeah, and I didn't believe he was the warden because he wasn't uh, hardened and mean and old. He was like young, nice guy. 
<laughs> like you're not really the warden for San Quentin. He's, well, how, how do you meet the warden for the San Quentin? Like, how does that happen? He was at a birthday party. It went. It was a very large birthday party. It was a, of a friend of mine who was a celebrity, and um, they'd probably done charity work or something together, something in the community possibly, and had become friends. And he wound up at the party. Right. And I wound up meeting him, and he was like, "Hey, he knew who I was." And I said, hey, "What? What do you? What do you do for a living?" He's like, "I'm actually the warden for San Quentin." I thought he was kidding. And then it took a while, like all his friends around him was like, dude, he's really, that's actually the warden. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I immediately turned around in my Dewey phone. Coxed and I fully Dewey Coxed it. Did you ever write a song? Don't you dare write a song, Dewey. <laughs> and I did. Um, and I just, I was like, San Quentin, good song title. That's gonna, that's gotta be something aggressive for sure. And then uh, when the riff you know, started rolling around, uh, when we got to the course, I screamed out, um, can somebody please keep me the hell out of San Quentin? And then it just felt like we knew where we were going at that point. Was it inspired at all by the conversation? Did he like no. tell you something in the no. conversation or just he brought San Quentin, no. the idea of San Quentin to your just, mind? That's it. Yeah. I, and it was just a, such a weird, it was just like, that's the warden of a legendary, notorious prison. Like it's got its rock and roll history. It's got its, you know, Metallica filmed uh, San Quentin there or uh, Saint Anger there. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash played there. Yeah. And then all the, you know, the horrific stories of it actually being San Quentin. Yeah. You know, think of, uh, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, like just rough, rough prison. I mean, it's probably still, you know, I started asking some questions. He's like, he, he, he was, you know, we're all about rehabilitation. <laughs> no, he's not like... I'm like, you know, I want to know about the dark, the dirty, dark yeah. secrets. And, oh, he was sidestepping that. Like, <laughs> right. He said he was a pretty normal, pretty normal dude. Very, very normal. Yeah. Uh, uh, sadly, a sadly normal human. You oh, know, you like, wanted, you wanted the big boss man. From I, the wrestling. Wa I, I wanted Shawshank. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted like mean, evil, you know, on the take sort of warden. We've been working on like North Shore Correctional Facility for so long, they just didn't have that <laughs> pizzazz. And then it's right. like, exactly. ding, let's do this. It's a heavier, it's a heavy, well, it's a heavy record. And we were talking about this in the office. Now, I wonder if Nickelback are a heavier band than you get credit for. Mm. Like you're- like What did you're, everyone else in the office say? Yes. We've been far heavier than anything on this record. The heaviest record we ever did was the last record, and nobody talked about it. We didn't talk about well, it. Well, that timing, <laughs> ti that, that's a perfect example of timing as well. Like, just when I feel people are ready, there's a softening on us, and people are ready to hear us again, which is great. Like, there's a what? A softening on us? I call it a softening. Like, the teeth are, are going away, um, if, I feel like. But... Um, but what you said before, I find interesting, and, and, and it, it's a bit divisive, I think, or a bit controversial in that arena when you said it feels a bit metal to a, to a degree. I've had this kind of epiphany about, uh, and speaking as a metal listener, I grew We're up listening to, to metal. share epiphanies. Yeah, you're like, no, we got to have them. <laughs> They're exclusive now. One um, light bulb between the two of us. You, but grew, it, you grew up listening to Metallica. and, and I, I, I grew up initially with pop, and then when I, when I started playing guitar, yeah, it was metal, just yeah. Anthrax and Testament and like lots of, and I lo loved metal growing up. And then you, and then Blue Rodeo, and like you start to branch out from there. Um, but uh, what I just find interesting, it was just more of an observation, is that if you say Okay, they've gone a bit. This sounds a bit metal. I could just hear all the metal heads just <laughs> getting up, like flexing. Are you, are you kidding me? Chin, chin are you up, kidding me? Flex. Because I, I, I come from that That's initially. I understand. There's, a, there's some kind of protective 
nature in the metal audience. And it's weird because if we play a rock song, like a really heavy rock song to an audience that likes the more melodic stuff, they're kind of taken aback, maybe not expecting it, but they'll still like live, especially they're like, oh, they'll get it and they'll be accepting or they'll just go, oh, maybe not for me. Metal heads will be just like, they're not metal other than just just drag you through the mud for even suggesting that. Right. It's really interesting. I, I, that, that is, they're really protective of their, of their genre. genre. And if you, if you dip your toe in there without fully being metal, you're just going to get tore up, which, I mean, it's neither here nor there if you, if you don't read the comics, but it's, it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. but it, it, it is the story of Nickelback to me in some ways that like you, you are susceptible to people talking about you, but you keep your head down and make the of music course. that you want to make. Yeah. Right? Like you are susceptible to metalheads or to pop people. I mean, I even hear, and I'm glad you don't lunge. I hear like a country influence on this record. There are songs on this record that feel like country sounds to me. All over the map. But am I right about the country Um, thing? Yeah, absolutely. There's a country rock tune on there, a stoner country rock. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, it's about getting in a van in like the 70s and going across you know, whatever country it might be, Canada, America, whatever it is, and, and going from city to city, festival to festival, and picking up hitchhikers along the way. And, and every time you open the, the side doors of the van, it's just massive clouds of wonderful smelling smoke come out the side. That's, that's the movie in my head. Same old, same town, going nowhere. Need a brand new view in front of me. Um, I definitely get the, the vibe with High Time. Uh, right. Like I said, Photograph, that Photograph's pretty much a country tune with a, with a, you know, a heavy chorus. How do you mean? The vibe? Where's that guitar? Uh, Where's that guitar? Get that. Pretty good. O-tune-ish. O-tune-ish. Well, that sounds like Nickelback. Uh, Look at this photograph. You know, that's so country. And then, then you know, I'm through his you know, the whole rock star. I'm through, uh, where my key man is. I might as well have sang it with a, with a twang. I'm through his standing line, the cubs will never get in his line. Bottom of the ninth, and I'm never gonna win. I think you kind of did. I damn near am singing. <laughs> I think you kind of did. Like, I damn near am singing the song with a, with a, with a country twang. I mean, those two tunes to me, uh, well, I mean, I think they played, uh, they, they absolutely just censored the complete dog out of uh, Rockstar and played it on CMT. The video was played on CMT thousands of times. Um, how so, did you feel about that? I don't, my, my music's getting out there. I don't care how it gets out there. I don't care what medium gets used, but like we wrote tunes. We're not, there's no snobbery with this band. I didn't write songs to sit there and go, no, 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 no. Those human beings over there on this same planet, they're not allowed to hear this music. Like, I, I don't get that snobbery. That is just so arrogant. I don't get that. No, this music is just made for these people, and they have to be like-minded people. Otherwise, you don't get to hear it. How do you do that in your writing? Like, how, do you, how do you keep all that noise out when you get to a level where your records are selling this many records? Like, when, and when there's this many people relying on you, how do you keep all that stuff out of your mind Kid as from a songwriter? small town. Just a kid from a small town that, you know, that wound up uh, getting lucky with some verses and choruses and, and being in 
uh, a band that shouldn't even be called a band. It should be called a family with four guys that love each other deeply. Um, and uh, that's where it all comes from. There's like, there is no, um, there's just no snootiness, no snobbery, just small town vibe. Does that explain how it happened? I mean, you just told me your last gig before the pandemic was Rock and Rio. How many people is that? That, that one was 120,000. So that's 120,000 people. Whenever I see you guys play to shows like that, I can't even fathom what it's like to be on stage in front of that many people. We, we, we did yeah. it, and, and, and I can't fathom it. Yeah. <laughs> you can only see... This time You can crazy. only see the first 80 rows of humans, and then after that, it's just like... It, it doesn't even make sense. Like, it doesn't compute to the human brain, all of those humans in one place at one time. And it's like... <laughs> it's such a spectacle. It is just wild. I and see the first three rows, and I see the guy ziplining across in front of us, back and forth the whole show. It's it's a crazy spectacle. Yeah, it's a lot. So how do you do. account for it? How do you account for small town band Hannah Alberta going to end up playing one hundred seventy five thousand? I can't. Really? <laughs> I have no explanation. You must have something. You must no, have I, something. I think, I think we work hard, and and you know we write the tunes that we like. And we get out there and we tour them. And that's, that's it. You it's know, it's um, connecting with people. It, it, the, yeah. it doesn't matter, I, I think. I think that's the, you know, like you said, the small town kind of scenario where we grew up. And you, you do what you do, but it, you, you try to connect with people, right? I think that is, as the human condition goes, you know, when you relate that way, it doesn't matter what language, doesn't matter anything in that sense. It's like when it's, it's the, the, the country of music. Like pe- it, people take that and they take it and they run with it and if they like it. We're, we'll go that way. And you're saying you're, the people who listen to your records, they feel they feel like you. They feel close to yes. you. They feel like they're, I, you know. I, I think so. Or they feel like you're telling my story. As, you know, a lot of artists say, obviously, they find some kind of connection. As I still do with music. When I hear something it's that, that just hits me, I just grab onto it. And it's like, like in, I, I've uh, my daughter introduced me to Phoebe Bridger's music. And I hadn't really listened to it much before. I'm like, holy crap. There's one of those stories that almost brings me to tears. <laughs> I think it's got a song called Funeral, and it's so heavy. I'm singing at a funeral tomorrow For a kid a year older than me It's a, it's a dark-sounding like, con- um, like content, but the music isn't. I like, I like those kind of... Juxtaposition. Yeah, I think those are kind of interesting, and... So I, I like that it can still do that to you today. I think that helps as well, where you still love music, you still find that connection, and you hope that when you throw some music out there, it connects with somebody else. You mentioned this, the great softening that's been happening with Nickelback. I mean, it's interesting to, to see you say it that way, but I, I was <laughs> the era. There was the Great uh, Depression. It's been so hard for so long. <laughs> the Great Softening. Yeah. I was a um, pressure system coming. I was surprised that you weren't already <laughs> in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I just we just found out that you're being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. We are at the Junos in Edmonton. Someone yeah. came up with a kooky idea. Yeah. How does that? What does that mean to you, Chad? Undeserved. I'm like I just keep saying I, I feel like. Uh, you know, we're not seasoned enough to be there yet. I feel like that that's for, I feel like that's for the really good artists. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like, you guys are one of the best selling Canadian acts in history. Yeah, Selling is just one thing. I mean, sales is, uh, but I, again, I just don't feel like, you know, you see these legendary lifetime artists. I mean, maybe it's just an age thing. You know, I just, I think you're supposed to be sort of 60 when you get it. So, you know, I'm not sure what it is about, uh, the whole, the whole thing. Um, it's, 
it, you, you do feel like an imposter. Uh, you feel like a, you know, like you've just sort of faked your way here and you have no, you have no, you have no <laughs> reason. You just have, it's, you just do not deserve to be, to be there. Chad, that's really interesting to me. You can tell, right? Like that, that you are in one of the best selling bands of all time that you have at least two or three songs that I think will be played forever. Oh, you were expecting an answer like, about time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting, I don't deserve it. Mm. And I feel like an imposter when you have 175,000 people showing up to you in a different continent. Yeah, that's weird. It's, it's, I, I, Wait, it just went to 175. Keep the story going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 I don't know why, but I, I can kind of compare it in my head. If I, if, I, if I hear like, okay, the Tragically Hip is inducted in the Hall of Fame, I'm like, of course. Yes. Makes, yes. Makes sense. Makes sense. When I hear our name, yeah. it's hard to wrap your head around. It really is. It's like, I'm like, I instantly kind of head scratch for a second. Like, just absolutely amazing and flattering that, especially in Canada. It really does mean a lot to us in Canada. So uh, I'm, it's sinking instead. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to talk about, but I th- it is interesting. Like it's worth exploring. Sure. Me, the idea of that, because I think it's like inspiring too, that like for people who are in bands now or starting out to know that like, <laughs> sorry, I, don't, I don't know why I find this expi- inspiring, but maybe because I relate to it, that no matter what happens, you can still feel like an imposter. Like no matter yeah, what happens, you can yeah. still feel like you don't deserve any but of this stuff. I, I, I feel like, you know, if you're standing there getting an Oscar, unless you're Meryl Streep, uh, I'll bet you three quarters of them feel like imposters, you know, because they're just playing a role to get that trophy. But that trophy is an accolade that is so sought after, you know, by everyone else in your profession and you got one. Um, so when you're standing there, it's just like, how did I, what, what? <laughs> like, why are we getting this? You know, when we just look around and we're just sort of like, shouldn't they get one, you know, right. like before us, it, it, it's, uh, it is really difficult to wrap your head around. It's hard. What was the goal when you started? Was the goal to, to have this sort of long career? When we started this band? Yeah. We always thought, I mean, cause we always looked at these college bands. Like we looked at, so when we were coming up, it was like, it was uh, Watchmen, Watchmen, Thomas Trio and the Red Albino. From Newfoundland, the, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Good the, live band. Incredible. The yeah. Tea Party. Tea Party. Um, Go Boys. Odds. Odds. Um, those were all college bands. And you saw these bands come into town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Junk House. Um, yep. They were all playing these college venues. These, and we were like, oh, if we could just remember that. We, we wanted we to get to the college circuit great. so bad. Like, mm-hmm. just get to the college circuit. You know, they're playing to 1,000, like 1,500 people every night. We're like, oh, my God. Can you imagine? And, like, we would make money doing this. And we could, like, just buy a house and tour back and forth in Canada and just, oh, the dream. Like, that was the dream. We just wanted to be big enough to just play to enough people where we didn't have to get day jobs. And, and, that, and that would actually be our career. Um, and that back then was far-fetched. Right. You know, our, our, our cousin, Brandon, uh, Mike and myself, our cousin Brandon, I feel like he might have been your cousin too. <laughs> <laughs> three, three Krugers and a peak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brandon's dad came to him at one point and was just like, come on. Like you've had enough fun with the band. It's great. You guys have toured around, you know, lots of flat tires, lots of help from home, enough craft dinner. Uh, why don't you come work for me? Start a family. And he, and he bought in mm-hmm. and checked out, mm-hmm. left the band. And that's uh, hard for you. Uh, at the time it was, um, I think it's, 
I think it's hard for him as well, yeah. you know, knowing that if he'd have stuck around one more year, we got signed and away we went. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, life works the way it's supposed to work. Well, what, 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 kept, you, what kept you going? Like, what kept you going when you were starving and um, craft dinner? And- because for me, there was no safety net. And once I started going across that tightrope, there was also no way back. The only way was to get to the other side. And I was dragging him and, and my brother know, kicking and, and screaming. <laughs> we didn't know what the other side really was. It nope. was just, we just got to go this way. We yeah. can't go this way. I, at the point, at that point in my career, uh, career life, I had nothing to lose. That was a big part of it. That's I, a powerful thing. Hey? It really is. Yeah. It, that, that's the, like, I got, I, I'm, yeah. If you don't keep swimming, again. you're going to die. Yeah. And you have to keep swimming. But you know what was motivating? And, and just to be brief, just so we don't beat us to death, but it was, it was always something. There's always something good for us around the corner, a little bit better than the last thing. Mm-hmm. So we know the trajectory was going like this. We weren't like treading water. We weren't sliding backwards. There was always all oh, this. Another gig. It's, it's a bit better. We, you know, they offered a little bit more money so you can, now we can pay for gas instead of going into <laughs> Which pocket. Is always nice. Or something, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that was a big part of it. And, uh, and for me, uh, when he came up with Leader of Men, uh, which is before we even recorded. It was after our uh, Curb and, and State full-length album. Tell your friends not to think out loud Until they swallow Whisper thing into my brain You always sound so hollow When I heard that song, I was just like, there's this... this there's lots of potential here. There's something here. Yeah, finally. Do you think I could ever drink? Since it's so hard to swallow. Yeah, so hard to swallow. That was Nickelback, but kind of their first big hit. I remember my cousin Danny writing me about that song. Have you heard the new Nickelback? It's called Later in Man. It's really good. And he was right. But then, like, How You Remind Me came out and everything changed. And uh, coming up after the break, Nickelback are going to reflect on that moment. Stick around. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. 
This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to Season 2 of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. You're in the middle of my conversation with Chad Kroger and Ryan Peake of the band Nickelback, who have had massive songs over the years, but none will ever be as big as this one. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. Tired of living like a blind man. I'm sick of sight without a sense of feeling. And this is how you remind me. This is how you remind me. That is How You Remind Me, which is such a jam. I think I said this in the first part of the conversation, but I've met people who really hate Nickelback, and I'll say, except for How You Remind Me, right? And they'll go, yeah, 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 except for How You Remind Me. And that's where I wanted to pick up the second part of our conversation, because that song, in many ways, changed everything for Nickelback. So when How You Remind Me happens, which is once-in-a-generation rock song, propels you to this North American, sorry, international fame and success, that must have been a bit overwhelming then. Like, that doesn't sound like anything you could have predicted. No, but... My wife did. I was was ready for the slingshot. (laughs) I was like, pull this thing back as hard as you can and let me go. And I was just like, let's go. I wanted to go so bad, and I just... I wanted to play that the first year. So when, so when How You Remind Me came out, I think we played 220 shows that year. Um, and I was like, more, 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 more. We went to our Canadian booking agent, Ralph James, and we said, um, we want you to try and kill us in Canada. Try. We want to go A markets all the way across and B markets all the way back. And it just about killed us. <laughs> that was a rough Were we on a bus or were we in a van? Yeah, buses. Okay. Buses, trucks, just right. the whole circus. Just Talk to me about that again. When do you start to realize that this song is getting bigger than anything you could have anticipated? Like, cause there's no, there's no, that's, that's a magical thing, man. So you know? I had a huge party at my place and we were going on tour the next day. And so I partied till... I don't know, probably seven in the morning. And uh, whatever girl I was with drove me and dropped me off at the, uh, at the Coliseum mm-hmm. in Vancouver. And when she dropped me off, she's like, what's all this? And I'm like, I have no idea. And there was all these buses lined up and all these trucks. And remember getting out that morning? Mm-hmm. We got out and I'm like, who are all these people? And our, our tour manager comes over and goes, all those guys over there, that's your lighting crew. I'm like, who, who's that? Well, that's audio. Well, who's this? That's pyro. Who's the guy standing right behind me? That's your new bodyguard. <laughs> like, I was like, very different from five hundred oh, clubs that we played it was in just the like, United yeah. States the year before. It was kaboom. And and I'm like, where are we go? How big is this tour? It's like it's the whole world, Chad. I'm like, the whole world? He goes, yeah, and by the way, it's sold out. Is that overwhelming? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. 
It got to be, right? You were there, man. <laughs> it got to be overwhelming. Just like that. It got to be overwhelming. Oh. It got to be like, you're like the dog who caught the car. Y- yeah. yeah. I have no idea what to do with it's it. Like, what do I do now? <laughs> Except I think we, we tried to figure it out pretty quick what to do with it. Uh, yeah. Hold on with both hands. Yeah. And we just, I, I remember, yeah, when we, when we got there, we were always just like, when we were earning money on the road, we we're like, put it back in the show. Put it back in the show. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure... We want to make sure people are having a great time so they'll come back and have a great time again. That was the most important thing, again, was always just like, let's just this way, moving up, moving forward. Let's just keep going. Let's not just sit here and tread water. Let's just move forward. Whether it was it would work or not, it's a whole other thing, but yeah. that was the mentality. Did you say your wife knew that How You Remind Me was going to be a big, massive yep. hit? I don't know if she knew it was going to be a big, massive hit, but she called it. Yeah, he came over and played it for me at my house. I was in Crescent Beach in, in, uh, in kind of... Vancouver area yeah. and he comes over before we could like send it on our phones and stuff he could play it in the phone but it doesn't sound as good so he yeah. just drove over here I got this idea you played you did play too bad over the phone for me as well too but you came over with how you're you just grabbed my guitar started playing the, just the chorus you had the idea and my wife was up and I'm like that's it's a good song my wife's up in the loft she's like that's a hit <laughs> yeah, oh yeah she was like just hit. like that that's a hit and I'm just like <laughs> oh man well we'll see I mean yeah we'll work on it Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She knew it. Oh, Trina she, knew. She, she, yeah, she, she probably gets mad when I keep bringing that up with her. But she's like, ah. she, she's got a great ear for music. Like a really good ear for music. Good instinct too. But it must be, it must be great to be on stage and have that song to know that it's coming. Like, you know, you like that everyone in that room is going to freak out at one point when that song comes up, yeah. even in those early days. When you're in non-speaking, non-English speaking countries, uh, you really rely on a few of the big, the few of the big ones. It's yeah. like, we better get to a sing along here quick. <laughs> are, are you, are you worried? Are you like, I've talked to people who've told me that having a really big hit song like that, there's this incre- intense pressure. like, oh, I better have another one. Sure. Because like, a lot of people only get one and you mm-hmm. ended up having a bunch of them afterwards and then continue to have them. Did you feel any of that pressure, Chad? Um, yeah, but it was just, again, it's self-imposed. It's like, because everyone just says you've got your whole, well, yeah, it's funny. You've got your whole life to make your first record and you've only got like a, a year and a half to make your second, which wasn't true because <laughs> we, we never stopped making records. Yeah, and you had we, made a bunch of records. We got signed on the, on, the, yeah. on the third one, mm-hmm. um, but you know, and, and off we went. But yeah, I, I just think that it was, I knew, to, I knew the level it had to be at because at the same time, so How Your Mind Me comes out and like, I don't even know how much longer. I think How You Remind Me was sitting at the top of the chart somewhere, and then Hero came out. And then that went like right behind it, and that was released by uh, Columbia for the Spider-Man soundtrack. And then as a band, we released Too Bad. How You Remind Me is on its way down. Still in, th- in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Too Bad is just entering the top 10. And Hero is right in the middle. So there was a lot of Chad on the radio at one point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And then with uh, All the Right Reasons, it was Photograph, Animals, Far Away, If Everyone Cared, Saving Me, Saving Me, Rockstar. There's six singles on, on that record. That was a big tour. <laughs> I was, was like, that's forget what your house looks like tour. Yeah. How are, you, how are you with the parodies? Photograph got parodied a lot online. Look at this Instagram. It's been an inside of him. Started out as a lemon tart. 
than my phone when it made it hard. Sure. I mean, that, that has to be an interesting feeling, right? To have someone well, do like a parody of your song. You know, if, Let's look, look at that Instagram one that has like 9 million views. Graph? I mean, look at this graph. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's my favorite so, one. So I'm like, for those of you born in this era, this next song is called Look at This Graph. And the, the, the place just starts laughing. For everyone else, this is Photograph. You know, We'd love to hear you guys singing along kind of thing. And we go into the tune, but it's like that sort of thing because it takes on a life of its own, you know? Um, and we've, no one makes fun of this band more than we do. I mean, we are the most self-deprecating uh, four individuals you could ever possibly meet. And the notion that we take ourselves seriously is absolutely ludicrous. Is that how you stayed together for so long? Having that, having that Taking sense the piss of each other. Yeah. Things how you do. Yeah. Honestly. A lot of bands like, don't make it this long, right? Yeah. It's, it's a nice check and balance system for sure. Like on a lot of levels for for all of us, it's like, it's it's nice to have people that know you, um, and because uh, you can get to a position where it, uh, like I've said before, you can get a lot of sycophants in this business, and it's it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And having if you're a solo artist, it's tough to have people around you that you trust that that will say no, or say not a good idea, or maybe you should consider this. Um, but in our band, we're all. Well, we all respect each other, but we're also pretty frank with each other if we have to be. And at the end of the, whatever the conversation is, it's like you got to walk away like being okay with it. Like we got to right. be okay with this thing. So it's nothing's trying to attack anybody or whatnot. But it is. I like the check and balances with these. Why weren't you guys frank with me when I started straightening my hair? <laughs> I could have used a little bit of frankness. <laughs> It was, it was a sensitive topic, and, uh, and I, you know what? I, I could have used a, bro. Do you know what's funny? Bro, dude, no. You know, I, I know, I know, but you know what? I've always thought, it's like, I don't want him telling me anything about Why? how I dress Why? or my hair. That was Why a big thing. Why is laughing so hard? I forgot, I forgot that you straightened your hair oh, there for dude, a while. I, yeah, I, I forgot I, about I've that. I've had a million different uh, uh, stupid hairstyles and just like tried it all to the point where I was just like, ah, I'm just going to cut it off. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as all the hipsters started growing their hair long, I was like, nope, I'm good. Uh, last, it's funny to see that last time you were come on, we, we did a big chunk of, it was your first time on CBC, I think, and we did a big chunk on the criticism you guys have gotten over the years. You guys were really, you guys brought it up. It was like a really mm. lovely open conversation. But like you said, there is, maybe there's a softening. My feeling is that the, the criticism is actually not as big as people think it is because it's just on the internet and the internet doesn't, sure. speaking, speaking of pretend. But the... Um, Twitter isn't real. But yeah, but it's in your... Now you're being inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. You are. That's real. <laughs> that's, but it, that's legit, by the way. But it is kind of real. <laughs> like, it is kind of real. And it does yeah. sort of pop the imposter syndrome bubble, which gives me the rare opportunity to ask you, when you look back on this band at this stage, I'm going to ask each of you, what are you most proud of? To be able to do this, you know, for a living. And not just, not just do this for a living, but, like, to get to call this my career, uh... That is, is just an absolute pleasure to be able to, you know, get on stage with three other humans that I adore and cherish is an absolute honor. Um, and to see if we can just keep this going um, as long as we possibly can and we get to decide when we, we pull the plug. Um, you know, that's what keeps that's what keeps us going, keeps me going. That's his answer. 
That's a good answer. He would like to echo my sentiment. It's like when you do things and things like mostly go right, I think for me is, I mean, I learn the most obviously when things kind of go wrong. You learn bits and pieces about you, but, and which things have definitely gone wrong in, at, at moments. Uh, but that things have mostly gone right kind of makes you feel like you're kind of, you know, you, you, when, you, when you trust your gut. Yeah. And a lot of things in life, and that can be in anything that you're doing, that just you maybe you're on the right path and maybe this is worth it. Maybe this is more than just, you know, one right decision or one wrong decision. I don't, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense to you, but it's like it, there's satisfaction in that for me. There's, and, there's uh, validation in the choices that you made. Self-validation in yeah. the sense where it's just like, yeah, maybe maybe you can, you're okay to trust yourself in what you're doing. And, and I try to instill that with, with my kids where it's just like you don't have to, have the you know the pomp and circumstance of these of these because they want to they like the music business they like whatever business they're going into and just like you just have to be satisfied and in the sense of like like gen not just satisfied but like just just happy and content with the choices you make right and i feel like the choices we made kind of led us here some some of some very very whiny road but man it's it's uh it's satisfying i think to to feel like we're i'm okay with where we're at well, congratulations on in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. I think you're very well deserving of it. Oh, thank you. Thank I appreciate you, that. Thanks thank for coming you. in. Thanks. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. How did our eyes get so red? And what the hell is on Joey's head? This is where I grew up. I think the president would have fixed it up. I never knew we ever went without. Second floor is hot for sneaking out And this is where I went to school Most of the time I had better things to do Criminal record says I've broken twice I must have done it half a dozen times I wonder if it's too late Should I go back and try to graduate? Last man and now that it was back then If I was them I wouldn't let me What the hell is on Joey's head? That is a photograph from Nickelback. Before that, my conversation with Chad and Ryan from the band. Tonight, a documentary celebrating their storied career will premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. And if you're listening to this in downtown Toronto, the band will be performing for fans at the Festival Street Music Stage. All right, that is it for the show this week. Q is produced by Ben Edwards, Vanessa Greco, Lise Hossein, Vanessa Nigro, Cora Najawan, who is back on the show. We're so happy to have Cora back. Gloria Omateo and Catherine Stockhausen. Our digital team is Amelia Ekbal, Shuli Grossman-Gray, and Vivian Rashad. Our podcast producer is Caitlin Swan. Our director is Matthew Murphy. Our engineer this week was Gabby Hagoriles. Our senior producer is Beza Seifa. And McKeegan is our executive producer. I'm Tom Power later on.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.